Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel impacts every part of our lives. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. have a homemade postcard today sent to me from Mackenzie. Pensacola Christian College student. Mackenzie, thank you for crafting this San Francisco 49ers postcard. I'm not a big 49ers fan, especially because I'm a Cowboys fan. And by the time this uh, episode airs, we will know whether or not the 49ers beat the Lions in the NFC Championship game. But I do like you, Mackenzie. I remember you waiting on me at Chick-fil-A, even though you worked right next door in the booth at Pizza Hut or Papa John's, I'm sorry. But uh, Mackenzie, thank you for listening, for saying so many nice things in your note. And uh, I'm just always encouraged when college students are seeking God with their lives. And Mackenzie, you're one of them, and I appreciate you. We're in Romans chapter 5 today. And wow, did we learn some great nuggets yesterday about just the love that God has for us. It's unlike any human love you could possibly imagine. Think about the person that loves you the most and the best and times that by a billion and you have the love of God, not even the love of God for you. Would you look at verse number nine? We talked about God loving us when we were in an unlovely condition, loving us when we were without strength, loving us when we were ungodly, loving us in that while we were yet sinners. That's a, that's a great qualifier, isn't it? That God loved us then. But watch the point that the Apostle Paul makes now in verse number nine. And this is staggering to me. Romans 5 and verse 9. Much more than. Well, wait a minute. If God loved me to that degree, he loved me when I was a lost, ungodly, God-rejecting sinner. Now the Bible says much more than. So if God loved me when I was that, how much more can we make the case that God loves those whom he has redeemed? Now, God loves sinners. Obviously, he sent his son, but much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall, look at verse number nine, be saved from wrath through him. Now, this takes us all the way back to chapter number one, when it talked about the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. That's verses 16 and 17 of chapter one. But then the Bible says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So because God loves lost sinners and because God loves the ungodly and those without strength, when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in his atoning work upon the cross, what does that do? Well, that reveals to us God's righteousness. So now the very righteousness of God is accredited, credited, imputed to our account. So now we have the favor of God, not because we are good, but because Jesus was good on our behalf. And so now we 
enjoy the righteousness of God. The gospel has revealed that to us. And that which is the opposite of the good news, the bad news that God's wrath is upon all sinners, that has now been eradicated. And so now that we are saved, much more than being now justified, declared righteous by his blood, that's what we put our faith and trust in, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we, are, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So the point there is, as believers, we never need to fear the condemnatory wrath of God. It's not like I've been saved, but oh man, I better do the best I can to keep this or I'll be unsaved again. I'll be in danger of God's wrath again. No, you're never. Listen, as a believer, having been declared righteous by God, there's no double jeopardy. You are saved and you're saved in part from wrath that you'll never have to be condemned for your sins because those sins are no longer yours. They They belong to Jesus who paid for them. And what belongs to you is the righteousness of Almighty God. I mean, I can't think of a better exchange anywhere, anytime, for any reason than that. And I think that's important for us because many Christians kind of operate on a guilt complex. Like, I'm not perfect. I've been saved, but I let God down. I sinned. Therefore, God's mad at me. God's going to lightning bolt me. Please understand that that's not the heart of God toward you. That's not to say that we should just do our own thing and not care about what God thinks. Of course not. When we enter into a relationship with God by faith and the fellowship that is now an opportunity for us to have with God, there ought to be an indwelling desire to want to please Him and, and follow Him. But understand that when inevitably we sin, in this Christian life, that doesn't curry the wrath of God. Now, it does It does bring God's chastisement. Hebrews chapter 12, he chastises those sons whom he receives. And if we're without chastisement, then we're illegitimate children. We're really not the children of God. So this is not to say that God doesn't deal with his people, that he does not rebuke his people, that he does not in that sense, spank his people. That's what loving parents do. But no, he does not have this this condemnatory wrath toward the people whom he has justified and redeemed. That's a great truth for us to chew on. Look at verse number 10. For if, here's how Paul makes that case, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And that's true. So in the, the word if here means since. So since when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, but made made at one again, reconciled. Like you reconcile an account maybe in math or in your, uh, your accountant book. You're bringing things into balance. That's what Jesus did. Jesus brought into balance the wrath of God and the righteousness of God, the truth and grace He was the one that brought that into balance by his death upon the cross where God could be just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus. So God could be just. He didn't excuse sin, but then the justifier, he forgave sin because of Jesus. Wow, what a a study that is. And we're going to get there in in our passage. 
the point here in, in chapter five is if God loved us like that then, that's what verse 10 says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. How much more emphatic, emphatically is it true that being reconciled, now that we are the children of God, now that our sins have been forgiven, now that we've been made at one again and have peace with God, as the chapter told us in verse number one, now much more now being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Understand that justification is just the first stage of God's entire salvation plan for you. When you read the word saved in the Bible, don't automatically plug in just the word justified. That's just the starting point. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, yes, you were declared righteous. Yes, it was just if I'd never sinned to play on that word. That's true, but that's not all of it. And God's scope for you is more than just your spirit's being saved, your spirit being quickened and made alive, the new man in Christ. No, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God inaugurated a process in your life that we call sanctification. And what is that process? It's the process whereby God sets you apart, makes you to become more like Jesus in your practice every single day. That's God's will for you. God's will for you is the same will that God has for me, and that is that I would be conformed to the image of Jesus. We're going to talk all about this in Romans 8.29. We could go to 2 Corinthians 3.18, but understand that God's purpose for you is to make you just like his son. Now, positionally, you're already there if you're saved because you're justified. Practically, you're not there. <laughs> Trust me, you're not just like Jesus, and neither am I. But you ought to be more like him today than you were yesterday. You ought to be more like him this year than you were last year. That's the process of sanctification. And one day, you're going to stand before Jesus. And this old body, whether I be caught up in the rapture or whether I, this body be resurrected from the grave or the ashes, will stand before Jesus. And when I see him in his glorified body, he will make my body like unto his body. That's complete salvation. There's justification, the spirit. There's sanctification as I am being conformed in my thinking, in my decision-making, and the way I feel to become more like Jesus. That's my soul. And one day, my own body will be like unto his glorious body. That's the kind of redemption that God desires for each one of his children, a complete salvation, saved by his life. Wow. God's love just continues to deepen, doesn't it? Would you look at one last verse for today? Verse number 11, where it says, and not only so, but we joy in, but, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So we joy in God. Why? Because of what Jesus did and because of what Jesus provides. So we can not only bask in the love of God, but we can ex ex exude great joy in spite of whatever else is happening in our life. And listen, I know, because I know many of you, you're going through it right now. And if you take counsel of your circumstances or take counsel of some of the broken relationships 
or take counsel of the condition of our nation, that's good cause not to be joyful. But when we think about who we were and what we have and where we're going, all because of Jesus and his marvelous grace, that quickly admits joy into our lives. It really is a matter of biblical perspective. Hope that helps today. We'll see you again tomorrow. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, take a moment to subscribe or share the podcast with a friend. Until next time, God bless.